I guess, Victor, this is just, we're starting now. Okay, I was going to say, I don't know with the NFL awards, like, historically, if, because I know in the NHL awards, at least, like, the Norris is always messed up because right. they give it to, like, right. the name, not the player. I don't know if that's the same with, like, Defensive Player of the Year or MVP. I don't really know the history behind the NFL awards, but just from me, I thought they got most of them correct. But I agree, Victor. I do think when I look at the numbers that TJ Watts was more deserving for Defensive Player of the Year, and I still think James Robinson should have won um, Offensive Rookie of the Year. But outside of those... Um, I thought they got it mostly correct. And Spencer, I, I, I to kind of back you up, I think you can discuss, you know, TJ Watt was on a better defense probably as a whole. So maybe that helped his stats a bit. I could see that argument, but I don't think, you know, it's not a team mm-hmm. award. You just got to look at the individual and his numbers. So, yeah, I thought they got that one wrong. Yeah, I- so if if you're okay with me jumping in right away to talk about Absolutely. defensive player of the year, uh, you know, like, so what I will say is uh, the fact that TJ led in, you know, every major category that they wanted to pull to compare him to Aaron Donald is amazing, especially given the fact that he did play one less game than Aaron Donald. Um, but, but my issue is, you know, one, you're comparing two different positions um, and, you know, two, you're comparing, you're, you, you know, it's, it's fine to, to want to, um, you know, not look at intangibles and stuff like that. But, you know, when you, when you see that Aaron Donald is, I think I saw that he's doubled and tripled on, you know, over 70% of his snaps, um, you know, it's going to be easier if you're doubled less to put up better numbers, you know, beyond that, uh, you know, I think this is this is a, a close. It was close in stats, um, and so you know, I, I don't really have a ton of issue with somebody uh, saying that TJ deserved it. But I, you know, I think to say that it was a no no brainer, no doubt, is a, a little wrong. Um, and and the best example I can try and give is, you know, last year it was Stephen Gilmore who won. Stefan Gilmore, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think TJ was second, third. Um, he ended as a finalist, yeah. So I believe second, yeah. Like um, Gilmore, defensive back, and you know what? Why is a outside linebacker, edge rusher? Um, mm-hmm. So last year. Just to real quick, uh, so Watt had two interceptions, um, eight forced fumbles, which is insane, um, 35 solo and 20 assist tackles, and then 14 tackles for a loss, 36 QB hits, right? Um, Gilmore had – sorry, give me a sec – Gilmore had <laughs> my page is going all over the place. Uh, six interceptions, two touchdowns off of those, um, one fumble recovery. Sorry, TJ had four fumble recoveries. I didn't say that. Um, you know, fifty-three combined to fifty-five 
but zero QB hits. Uh, I think zero sacks. Yeah. Um, I don't think I said TJ had 14 and a half. But you're comparing a, a, a defensive back to a linebacker. And so the stats aren't going to match up. So you have to you have to take a look at it. And like, the way I look at it with Gilmore is, well, he had those six, seven turnovers uh, to Watts four, six. Uh, but he also turned those into points. So he probably had a greater impact to that Patriots defense as a whole. I know, Brett, you brought up that it's not a team award, but that Patriots defense was just absolute, like, dominance last year. And you could probably point to Gilmore as the big reason that they were. So I don't know. I'm not I'm not just in love with just looking at, like, base numbers because TJ here is better, too. I mean, he had more sacks. He had more tackles. He had more QB hits. He had more tackles for a loss. He had more uh, forced fumbles. He, you know, like you can look at it and he, he has better numbers at more stats than Gilmore does. But does that necessarily, does, does just that make him better? Does Brett Favre holding most of the QB <laughs> records make him the best QB? I mean, I know he's been passed, but like, you know, even when he held them, did that truly make him the best just because he held those records or? Okay. So a lot, a lot has been covered in the past like five minutes Uh, to jump around quick one to jump back to Brett. uh, I do feel like the NFL awards typically do go a lot better than the NHL. I don't think most of the time it's based on the name, but I feel like, Typically, it's the same name people up top because, like, at least for MVP and QBs and offensive player of the year, like the same QBs do well year after year. Uh, there's less disparity. We talked about that before. Anyways, um, each award hasn't turned into like the NHL has different from what it's truly meant to be. Like, like you brought up the Norris, it, the NFL doesn't really have one where it's turned into the name or um when it's meant to be this it's really just the stat leader of this category so going off that um i still believe aaron donald is the best defensive player in the nfl and that's why i get it was like he's covered more he's double and triple team because that's what teams need to do to stop him but for this year i believe tj was better and statistically he was better and I get maybe he was given more opportunity, but it's about who played better. And okay. And I don't, I just don't know what more, like how much more does TJ have to do at his position? Because if that's the case, if Donald puts up similar numbers next year, then he's always going to win it because again, he's facing these double and triple coverages. So it, I just don't. I don't know what. I just think like, if you have certain if categories you have... that I would expect a defensive lineman to be higher in. Like I feel like typically, but he's interior, so he's getting doubled and tripled. So the fact that he's that close to an to an exterior rusher, to an edge rusher who who isn't getting doubled, who can get around the outside, who's I wouldn't say he have, isn't getting doubled. He's not getting I doubled just... as much. It's no. It's nowhere near. It's nowhere near the rate. Okay, he's also not on the line as much. 
That's yeah, fine. Um, he drops Vic, into coverage too. I, I get that. Vic, I think you made you brought up a good point there. I, I mean, we're talking about how you can't really compare the stats, but when you look at the positions they play, uh, Aaron Donald's on the line, and TJ's typically an outside linebacker. Um, so the fact that TJ still had more sacks to me is even more impressive, uh, just given their positions because TJ's not blitzing every, every play, whereas every... Donald is. So if you have... I understand he's getting double teamed, triple teamed, but you also, I mean, if you want to bring up positionally, I think it's even more impressive what TJ did given their position. If you have better opportunity. If you on a better rate uh, of which you are rushing, then yes, I would expect your 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 stats to be more inflated. So if you if you only rush on seventy percent of the, of your plays or whatever, but you know you're you're not even doubled for half of those. You're, yeah, I would expect I would expect you to then get to the quarterback. I mean, T.J. Watt's a phenomenal player, so yeah, I would expect him to put up these numbers. Uh, I just don't know at that point. Okay, so let's say Donald puts up because he's a very he's the best defensive player in the NFL year over year, just consistently right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so if he puts up these similar numbers next year, because this was hopefully not a career year for T.J. Watt, but it's very possible. I mean. It was just a great year for him as well. Both players had great years. I'm not trying to take that away. But I don't know how you can give it to a linebacker unless they do far more than TJ did this year if Aaron Donald matches what he does uh, next year. I just don't know how you pick that because now you've set a precedent in my mind of a linebacker doing this is not enough to beat Aaron Donald given the fact that Aaron Donald is going to be double and triple teamed. It doesn't matter if the linebacker is because, like you said, it's not going to happen every play because he's not on the line every play. Uh, I mean, you know where Aaron Donald is going to be every play. So, yeah, I think it's a little easier to double and triple team him. Um, But, yeah, I I mean, ultimately, it's just... I feel like the majority, and maybe this is because I'm a Steelers fan, uh, I thought the majority would give it to TJ Watt. I was surprised he didn't win it. And Aaron Donald was the number two in my mind. So, like, at least it didn't go to someone who just was a complete upset. But, yeah, that's just my thoughts on it. I was very surprised. And uh, this was the only award I was really annoyed with. Other than that, there's one I would have picked someone different. And that is Offensive Rookie of the Year. We can jump to that now because, Brett, you did mention you wish you it was James Robinson. You thought it should have been him. Uh I was surprised it wasn't Justin Jefferson. I thought it should have been him. Uh, I know Logan liked and agreed with Justin Herbert. This was a really tough year for this award. Uh, Just so many offensive rookies doing unprecedented things at their position. I mean, I believe Justin Jefferson broke the receiving record, unless I'm remembering wrong. James Robinson for an undrafted rookie just should have been a pro bowler and just had an all-around phenomenal year and ended third in rushing yards. I want to say in the league. Mm -hmm. And I know Justin Herbert broke the touchdown record uh, for a rookie QB, but yeah, ultimately um, I would have, 
I'm okay with any of the three. I would have given it to Jefferson. The more I think about it, I may have put Robinson second just because, you know, uh, the Jaguars as a crappy team weren't rushing the ball in theory as much because they were always playing from behind. But yeah. Yeah, that's that's the argument I have exactly is what you just said. The Jaguars as a team did not rush the ball very often because they were losing all the time. Um, not to mention how poor his offensive line was in front of him and how predictable that offense was. So I think it's extra impressive given the, you know, limited carries he got, uh, what he did with them. Whereas you look at Justin Jefferson and Justin Herbert, both on bad teams as well, both on teams that are going to be throwing the ball because they're losing all game. Um, not to take away, you know, they still played um, fantastically, especially Justin Herbert. I mean, my God, what a franchise quarterback he's going to be. Um, but again, when you're losing in a game, you're going to be throwing the ball. So it's going to lead to more opportunities for both of those guys to put up numbers. Uh, that's just, you know, scientifically factual. Um, when you're losing and you're throwing the ball, you're going to put up more numbers. So that's my argument for James Robinson. But yeah, I agree, Victor. It was close this year. I think I, I honestly, I agree with you. All three had a good case for it and I would have been, well, I, I guess, I guess I wouldn't have been okay with all three because I'm upset <laughs> Herbert won it. Um, I would have been okay with Jefferson as well. I don't think Herbert should have won it, uh, but I've been saying this all year and I'm not surprised in the slightest that he did win it. Cause I figured he would. So. Yeah. I okay. think, I think it's, it's just so easy to just give like awards to quarterbacks. I mean, it's why the MVP is almost always a quarterback, right? Like you have to have a, a truly, truly phenomenal, you could already be better. And, and I agree. Je- like Jefferson kind of seemed like between him and Herbert, he seemed like the more obvious um, choice to me. And, you know, I, I just don't know how how a wide receiver what a wide receiver has to do to actually get that uh, i think we i think we've fallen into a uh it's just the easy pick is is the quarterback and when you have a truly bad quarterback draft class that's when you'll see another position win it brett this is in my mind uh not even necessarily this award but when you're looking at offensive players this is the closest comparison i can draw to the nhl when making mistakes of for an offensive player, I feel like the quarterback has just become a default, mm-hmm. same as looking at points instead of play uh, in the NHL. It's just... Or, or goalie wins instead of yes. actual numbers. So, uh, yeah. Like, the fact that... Jumping to the NHL quick. The fact that a defensive position is based a lot of the times on points when I, I get it's a when they can do that as well. Yeah. Uh, but ultimately, I feel like it's just a safer thing to look at, um, even if it's not necessarily the best thing to look at. Yeah. Okay. Uh, moving on. Well, that's important. Yeah. yeah. Uh, defensive rookie of the year was Washington, Washington football team's Chase Young. Not really a surprise. Easily deserved it. Um, I think everybody expected this for the most part since the day he was drafted. Offensive player of the year was Derrick Henry for the Tennessee Titans. I'd like to see this. Um, I'm not surprised he didn't win MVP, but 
I was excited. I was happy that they gave it to a running back here. Is that a little surprising, though? Because I'm a little – I actually didn't even know he had won that award until he just said that, but I'm actually a little surprised to hear that. Um, like, I think he deserved it, and I'm glad he got it, but I'm just surprised that, again, like we were just saying, it didn't go to, like – I know oh. Rodgers won MVP, but I'm kind of surprised it didn't go to a quarterback like an Aaron Rodgers this is, instead. This is the first time in, I think, a while that I really like their decision on both because, as you said, Rodgers won MVP. But what I always say and how I look at it, and I know you guys have similar views, is MVP is supposed to be most valuable player to that team, mm-hmm. uh, not necessarily just the best offensive player. And I didn't think Derrick Henry would win MVP because both Tannehill and Henry played so well. Like they were both two very key components of that offense. And I don't think one could have carried it without the other um, this year. So I was happy to see Derrick Henry won offensive player of the year because what he did was insane. I mean, he hit 2000 yards as a running back. It's a rare, very rare thing to happen, but ultimately Rodgers is more valuable to his team. So I was okay with both Rodgers winning. I was a little surprised that the people who gave out the awards actually put Henry as Offensive Player of the Year, but I'm happy to see it. Yes, I agree. (laughs) No, you said it perfectly. Uh, You know, it's always... uh, like you said, the, the distinction between most valuable player and best offensive player or best defensive player, even for that matter, like is important. That's key. Um, and yeah, they, this, they normally, it feels like they get right. You know, you see, you see the like crossover bleed over whatever, but it's not, it's not every single year, which is a little refreshing at least. Yeah. Uh, and I know it's been since, unless I'm forgetting someone in recent years, since 2008 that someone other than a QB has won MVP when it was Adrian Peterson. Uh, I'd have to look at what the QBs did that year because I don't know. I mean, if someone did similar to Rodgers this year, then I would be like, you know what, maybe Henry could have gotten MVP. But uh, honestly, Rodgers did deserve MVP in my mind, so I was okay with that pick as well. Moving on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Art Rooney Sportsmanship Award of the Year went to Carolina Panthers QB Teddy Bridgewater. Congrats. Yeah, I hated that one, by the way. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Teddy Bridgewater is a douche. He did not deserve this at all. Should have gone to Odell Beckham Jr. All right. Okay. <laughs> Miles Garrett, also in the running. Um, <laughs> AP Comeback Player of the Year uh, went to Washington football team's Alex Smith. Love this. Not really surprised. Um, phenomenal yeah. story. Just him uh, going from possibly never walking to winning this award and playing football. Um, we can skip over the ones that don't matter. Uh, Deacon Jones Award for, I believe, most sacks went to TJ Watt. Not a voting category. <laughs> just just um, What? The ones that don't matter. I like that you were like, let's just go, let's just move over the ones that don't matter. And then you said Deacon Jones. Is that what it's called? I never even <laughs> heard of that. <laughs> so I was well, like, oh, okay. Actually, 
I was thinking the same. <laughs> no, I wasn't going to say it, but in my mind, the ones that don't matter, like the celebration of the year, the play of the year, okay. uh, I the I don't, I didn't daily fantasy. Yeah, the draft. Oh, well, because Spencer's on here. The DraftKings breakout daily fantasy player of the year was Buffalo Bills quarterback <laughs> Josh Allen. Congrats to him. Uh, the coach of the year went to Cleveland Browns, Kevin Stefanski. Love this. Thought he deserved it, so I'm happy he won that. And I was a little surprised Ron Rivera did not win that, personally. Like, I understand the Browns made the playoffs for the first time in, like, or I think, like, the fourth time in franchise history or something. But, um, I mean, when you look at the Browns' team on paper, as we like to say here on Top Chatter, like, we all expected them to do well, right? Like, we expected that last year. We expected that the year mm-hmm. before. And now they finally are, so he's going to get credit for that. When Ron Rivera, like we all said in our season previews even, we had Washington winning, like, two games. And they – made the playoffs albeit i was just gonna say uh in a bad division but still i mean that team was so much better than anybody gave them credit for so i would have given it to ron rivera i would have been okay with ron rivera getting it if you look at the fact that the rest of the division i think in my mind was a disappointment then ron rivera doesn't like even if he puts up his record if everybody else plays against the non-Washington football team games, what they were expected to by everybody else, then, I mean, the football team still doesn't go 500 and they're not in a playoff spot, which is why I think he didn't get it. I would have been okay with Ron Rivera getting it as well, though. And I see and agree with every point you brought up of they far surpassed expectations, whereas the Browns like should have been here before. But I think just the fact that they still haven't each year, like... It was kind of the final breakthrough they needed. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> is, is it was this Stefanski's first year? Yes. Okay. Well, then I guess that makes a little more sense. But still, I mean, I think when you look at the talent on that team, they should have done what they did this year. So I don't, I, I don't give him a ton of credit personally. Gotcha. Okay. Um. And then the only other individual award I have is the Walter Payton Man of Walter Payton Man of the Year award went to Russell Wilson. Congrats to him on that. It's not an MVP, but he got an award. (laughs) He's still looking for the MVP. (laughs) And then also, why didn't Mike McCarthy win Coach of the Year? (laughs) (laughs) Fucking Christ! (laughs) Are you? Uh, surprised at all Matt LaFleur didn't in his first year like wasn't even really in conversation wasn't this his second year was it I was thinking I, I, I figured if this no, was yeah. McCarthy's yeah, first yeah, yeah, in yeah. Dallas you might be right was he the, uh, the Packers the Packers coach yes <laughs> uh, no I'm not surprised okay um, okay then now we get to the Hall of Fame class of 2021 I'm going to go through and then you guys can comment on anything you want to. We have offensive lineman Alan Fanica, head coach Tom Flores, wide receiver Calvin Johnson, safety John Lynch, quarterback Peyton Manning, scout Bill Nunn, wide receiver Drew Pearson, and defensive back Charles Woodson. 
all around a great off or a great Hall of Fame class in my mind. Thoughts from you guys? Yeah, I thought uh, Bill Nunn getting in mm-hmm. was something that was long overdue. Oh. Um, you know, he did. Uh, he, he put in good work for a while. He discovered a lot of good talent, so um, bounced around to a few teams too. But I thought this was long overdue, so I'm really happy he made it. And um, then Calvin Johnson, obviously. Uh, I think he's the youngest player ever to be inducted, correct? I saw. Probably. That, I, I mean, he retired at, what, 28? So. Yeah, he could still play. Yeah, I think he's the youngest. At, he's only 35 still, so um, that's pretty freaking cool to see. Uh, just growing up watching Calvin Johnson was awesome. So he led me to a fantasy football championship as mm-hmm. well. So um, well-deserved. Yeah, I thought uh, none. I thought he was a little overrated, but um, sure. I guess he deserved a spot in the hall. Um, <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I thought this was a great class. Um, and, and yeah, just to touch on Calvin Johnson, I, I often think about how like easily could have been, you know, statistically the best wide receiver ever had he just continued to play. And so you know, we'll never know that, obviously, but definitely in my mind, one of the greatest at that position ever. Agreed. Mm-hmm. I was also uh, really happy to see Charles Woodson mm-hmm. uh, make it. I mean, easy, easy pick there. And uh, congrats to Alan Fanica as a Steelers fan. Happy he made it. So, yeah. Well, unless there's. And Forehead. We got to talk about Forehead. I more like it. Congrats to Peyton. Head, I mean, yeah, yeah like, congrats <laughs> to Peyton and all, but Eli had just as many Super Bowls. So, I mean, we can't really let him, like, live that down. So, who's really the better Manning? Probably Archie. Um, When's Eli eligible for the whole thing? never. Soon, right? <laughs> probably, I think it's five years Next year? after you retire. Yeah, I think so. So, two more years, I think. Well, this was his well, first year retired, right? Yeah. Yeah. I thought he retired two years ago. Didn't Daniel Jones and take over did, two years ago? Well, I think Eli retired like mid, <laughs> mid-season. Yeah. Oh, uh, all right. So in four years. Yeah. Uh, we'll Around 2025, roughly. So, yeah. He'll probably make it. Okay. That's enough. <laughs> uh, football for now, unless there's anything else you guys wanted to touch on or that I missed. No. Okay. Uh, next, we will jump to hockey. Quick note, the NWHL suspended their, the rest of their season uh, right before playoffs started due to positive COVID-19 tests. Ultimately, safety comes first. Uh, this is after the, is it the Riveters uh, backed out? Unless I, or was it the Peeps? The Riveters backed out. Um, and then more COVID tests came back positive. Ultimately, it was an issue of safety. So I fully support this. Unfortunate that they weren't able to finish, but yeah, the players come first. Yeah, I I applaud this move, especially as we continue to see uh, a bunch of games getting postponed and schedules being reshuffled in uh, the NHL and the NBA, uh, for that matter. Um, definitely applaud this move to to put, like you said, player safety first. Always should be number one priority. Yep. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Look, I can understand if there were concerns with COVID to suspend the season. But from my understanding, um, everybody was testing negative. There was just concerns with uh, – they never really made it clear how the taxi squad was going to work. Teams actually weren't even informed they could have a taxi squad until after they were already in the bubble. Mm-hmm. And I feel I just feel like I gave the NWHL way too much credit early on here. And it just goes to show with everything that happened that uh, they're still just an incredibly poorly run league. And um, it's really incredibly disappointing, especially given the fact that they were just two days away from being on national television for the first time ever which would have been huge for women's hockey as a whole. Um, and so, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I understand like what you guys were saying, if it was, you know, actual, you know, health and safety issues, then yes, you'd have to suspend the season, but I think uh, they, you know, should be shaking their heads. And this is just another ginormous step backwards for the NWHL. Uh, it's been years of stuff like this now over and over and over again. And I, for one, am just so, so tired of it. Um, and it's, I'm not trying to bash the NWHL here. I'm only upset because I care and I want them to succeed. And they just keep, they're like Plaxico Burris. They just keep shooting themselves in the leg and limping to the finish line that they might not ever reach at this point. So I, that's all I have to say about this. Okay. Yeah, I thought I read it as there were multiple positive COVID tests. So if it was actually just concern, I mean, it's it's just a tough call at that point. I mean, player safety still should come first. But yes, when national TV is that close in reach, hopefully when they do come back, since it was suspend, not cancel, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um they get that national spotlight again, but we'll see. Brett, do you want to talk hockey other than the NWHL? Yeah. Um, yeah, that aside, to some positive news. Um, Patrick Line made his Blue Jackets debut um, this past week. He's played in a few games for them now. He has scored. He has won the reverse retros. He's done just about everything that you can do already in Columbus. <laughs> um, so good for him there. Um, there's not really a ton of other NHL news um, outside of Johnny Gaudreau notched his 300th career assist last night, which makes him, I think, and now I don't have it in front of me, I think he's the seventh ever U.S.-born no, that can't be right. He's like, maybe maybe he was the seventh fastest U.S. born player to reach 300 career assists or something like that. I don't know. But congrats to him. Um, and yeah, just a lot of, like we said, COVID postponements and um, delays and guys going on IR with COVID and coming off of it and schedules fluctuating. It's been, a, it's been quite the mess, um, especially for a fantasy hockey player like myself uh, trying to stay on top of all of this has been quite difficult. Um, uh, yeah. And then I have some college notes, unless uh, one of you wants to jump in with anything else in the NHL I might've missed. Uh, 
Uh, the first Battle of Alberta happened last night. Flames took that one. I cannot stress enough if you want to get into hockey, watch those games. I don't care that they start at 10 p.m. Uh, they're worth staying up for. Whoa. And, Whoa. Uh, Amen to that. And we have nine more of them this year. Nine more, which is just amazing. Uh, so, yes, please, please watch those. Even if you are a fan of hockey but don't really watch outside of your team, give it a chance. That's the matchup I recommend. The first did not disappoint. Going to be uh, going to be burning both ends of the candle there. Uh, 10, 10 p.m. start time. <laughs> uh, you know, not everybody can stay up that late, Victor. But uh, sure, sure. Uh, Brett, can you give like a quick rundown? Just because I don't think we've really done this. I know, like, you know, each division is a little messed up at points because of COVID and stuff. But just like a rundown of like the top couple of teams um, as things currently stand. Yeah, uh, sure, Charles. I can get you that rundown. Um, sorry, that was an office reference. What's a rundown? <laughs> um, hey, what's a rundown? What's a, what's a rundown, what's a rundown? By the way? <laughs> I'm going to fax my dad this right, rundown. I'm, gonna, I'm leaving. Um, I'm going to leave the call. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, starting with the West Division right now, um, the four playoff positions go as followed. Uh, Colorado, St. Louis, Vegas, Anaheim. And... Then in fifth, you have the Minnesota Wild, the Arizona Coyotes, San Jose Sharks, and LA Kings are in the basement. Um, really tight still. Uh, you know, it's early on, but in terms of, you know, Arizona currently in sixth is just two points out of third. So that's going to be something fun to keep an eye on. In the north, you have Toronto, followed by Montreal followed by Winnipeg, followed by Edmonton. And then in fifth, you have the Canucks. And sixth, you have the Flames. And in seventh, you have the Ottawa Senators, who are struggling. They um, really tight. Yes, they did get their second win since we last recorded. Good call. Um, but yeah, uh, this also really tight, really outside of Ottawa. Um it should be noted, Vancouver has played 15 games and everybody else has played like 12. So uh, while Vancouver is in uh, fifth right now, they are not looking good in terms of um, record because they've played way more games and are struggling. To the east, the playoff teams right now are Boston, Philadelphia, Washington, and Pittsburgh. Um in fifth, you have New Jersey, who's played two less games uh, than the Penguins and Capitals both and are just one point out of playoffs. The Islanders, the Rangers, and the Sabres round that out. East, also very tight. Uh, you have four teams with 10 points, one team with 11 points. And then um, Washington, Philly, and Boston have separated themselves decently already. Um, but yeah, obviously super tight there still. And then in the Central, you have Tampa, Florida, Columbus, Carolina, holding down the playoff spots with Chicago, Dallas, Nashville, and Detroit. Um, not in the postseason, however, this is still the most messed up division. The games played for each of these teams is just all over the board. So take what I just said uh, very not seriously at all. Outside of Detroit, who has lost eight in a row, and <laughs> I can promise you will not be making any dramatic comeback uh, anytime soon. 
Uh, to jump in, the Florida Panthers are now the only team who still hasn't lost some regulation on the year. As you said, games played are all over the place, so they still have a significant amount less games played than other teams. But credit to them, uh, 6-0-2, and, and even with the lowest amount of games played in the division or tied for it, they're in second place right now. Mm-hmm. One of their best starts in uh, franchise history. So, yeah. I guess one other note for the NHL is uh, they did revise some of their COVID um, policy. So players are now only allowed to um, enter the stadium an hour and 45 minutes before puck drop. You know, some players like to get there even like five hours before puck drop. They're now only allowed in two hours before. They got rid of the glass behind the benches just to help with airflow. That's only ever really there to help protect uh, fans from pucks and coaches from fans. So they got rid of that. And um, there's a couple other things. Those are the two main ones um, just to kind of try to help things. I don't know how much that's going to do. Probably nothing, but at least they're trying, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Thank you. Um, okay. So then the college hockey quick. Um, give me one second. All good. I just accidentally, you ever go to click something and then you close out of the tab instead of opening it? Yes. It <laughs> the worst. It happened to me earlier. <laughs> okay. In college hockey, uh, this week, well, uh, the latest poll, I, I will say, is the first poll probably ever that I've agreed with every single ranking. So that was kind of cool. Um, I think they nailed it. I think they got it right. But it's going to change dramatically again this week because Boston College remains undefeated. They um, they beat Boston University. Uh, I'm sorry, they're not undefeated. Spencer Knight, I should say, remains undefeated. But they split with Boston University, but Spencer Knight did get the dub in his game. Yeah. Um, so, again, I just think about Sergei Bobrovsky and Spencer Knight <laughs> and how they're going to handle that. And then in a big Big Ten matchup this week, uh, Wisconsin swept Minnesota, uh, who was ranked second in the nation. So, Wisconsin is now actually first in the Big Ten, and um, they – Looked really good doing it. They won four to one and eight to one. This is the same Minnesota team that won by a combined score of twenty to two over Arizona State the weekend prior. Um, so definitely going to be interesting to watch that. Dylan Holloway and Cole Caulfield both have been absolutely tearing it up for Wisconsin. Holloway obviously was just drafted by the Oilers in this past draft, and Cole Caulfield by the Canadians. Um, Caulfield. Probably going to win to Hobie Baker. He'd be my pick. He has uh, scored – I don't have his exact stats in front of me, but he is now averaging a point per game in his collegiate career, uh, most of that coming this season. So, oh, here we go. In 20 games, he has 33 points this year, 17 goals in 20 games. Um, so, again, he's still just a sophomore, and he is really carrying Wisconsin here. So – Expect Wisconsin to jump from 11 to probably uh, looking at the teams in front of them. They'll probably jump up to like eight, seven or eight. Um, And Minnesota will probably drop from two to like four or five, I would imagine. Um, But in other news, Minnesota State and Bowling Green also played this weekend in a big matchup. 
there. Uh, Minnesota State swept Bowling Green, which was also kind of surprising uh, as Bowling Green was ranked eighth. They were ranked sixth, but they take both. They are now undefeated in the WCHA at 8-0, leading that, and they're 11-2-1 overall. So expect Minnesota State to leapfrog Minnesota uh, in a nice little rivalry there, even though they never play each other, really. Um, Min State will take over Minnesota, and Bowling Green will fall. I still really like Bowling Green, though, personally, and their team to watch once we get to the Frozen Four. Um, and then... One note from women's college hockey, uh, Penn State swept Robert Morris this weekend. For the first time ever, they have now won the season series against RMU as they continue their best season in franchise, not franchise, but you know what I mean, their history. They are now 11-1-2 overall. They were ranked eighth coming into the week. Uh, RMU was receiving votes, so I expect Penn State to jump up even higher to maybe seventh or sixth even. Um, and they're looking like a legitimate threat uh, in on the women's side of things. So congrats to Penn State. Yep. Penn and that's State. all I had. Just another sport. They're just dominating. You, you just... Well, the men's team is not doing well at all, so there's that. Okay. That makes me feel a little better. Uh <laughs> Spencer, any hockey notes before we, we jump to a new sport? <laughs> yeah, uh, no. Okay. Well, then, uh, Brett, I'm not sure if you had this on your list to talk about as well, but let's jump to the PLL and go over some stuff that was just released for them. Uh, they officially came out and gave their 2021 drafts and player movement uh, list of dates. So just running through the schedule quick, and then we can focus on any one or certain things that you guys have questions on or want to discuss. February 9th, two days from now, the waiver wire and trade window opens. On February 28th, the protected rosters are due uh, for the expansion draft, and the waiver wire closes. On March 11th, the expansion draft will happen for the Cannons Lacrosse Club. On March 25th, is the Premier Lacrosse League entry draft, which uh, this is me kind of asking and confirming. Uh, that's just for non-collegiate uh, players that want to try out or like be drafted, correct? Okay. Correct, yeah. That's players from maybe another league in the world or the NLL that are switching over or just amateurs. Okay. That could possibly be drafted. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then f- on the March 26th to 29th, March 26th to the 29th, uh, the waiver wire opens for the Cannons Lacrosse Club. On March 30th, it opens for everybody else. Uh, they get a slight advantage there, just being new. On April 6th is the college uh, draft. And then on May 15th, the waiver wire and trade window close. So a lot of different moving pieces uh, for Brett. Did you want to go into anything or do you want me to keep going on this? Oh, you got it. You okay. Keep going. Uh, for the expansion draft, they can, the cannons will have 18 picks uh, max of, they can only take a max of three players from 
uh, teams. So they can't just take everybody that isn't protected from the back-to-back winning whip snakes. Uh, and then teams must protect 14 players, 13 players, and a goalie. So I was actually surprised. That seems like a lot of people they get to protect, but um, it's kind of nice that they won't be handed, hopefully, a team right off the bat. For the entry draft, the Cannons get the number one pick in each round. Everything else will be decided by a lottery. Um, So again, that's the one for already just players from a different league or around the world, as Brett said. For the college draft, because this is based on the playoffs of last year, this is interesting how they do it. It's not a snake draft. Um, It's just one through seven for everybody that uh, was in the playoffs based on last year. But because of the expansion draft, it will be one through seven, and then the Cannons get the last pick of the first round. But then, because they're new, I guess to help them out a little bit, instead of putting them last at each round, they then put them first in the second round and shifted everybody down a pick. And then repeat that same process for the third and fourth. So they get the eighth and ninth picks overall, and then the 24th and 25th. But for everybody else, it's not a snake draft. You get your normal pick and then one pick under in the next round uh, just to try and help the cannons out there. Yeah. Um yeah, it's it's going to be uh, interesting to see how the expansion draft goes. It went well for the Water Dogs. They were able to field a pretty good team. Um, I think they have the same rules that they did for the Water Dogs with this in terms of your how many players you can protect and what positions and all that, uh, which makes sense. So I expect the Cannons to be pretty competitive right out of the gate again. I'm not sure, um, at least the collegiate draft, who's available, like who's declaring for the PLL draft out of college. I'm not sure. It's going to be kind of tricky because, you know, they didn't really have a collegiate season last year with COVID. Um, So quick note also, NCAA lax season starts today um, all day long. So that's... Well, yesterday, I guess, but and today all day long. So just a fun fact there. But yeah, as, in terms of last year, they didn't really play. So I don't know how that's going to work. So that'll be something to keep an eye on because, again, I'm not even sure who's declaring. Yeah, it makes it a lot tougher than, uh, for example, when the Archers just pretty much knew who they were picking at number one because they had all the time to watch him play the past two seasons. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, Spencer, any comments? No, sir. Okay. Uh, we will see how the PLL plays out. Again, no assigned cities for the league, so they just move around. That way, they're not restricted to just limited fan bases. Another cool league. Definitely recommend getting into. Um, NBA and MLB anything to discuss and what would you like to start with first? I don't think there's a ton in the NBA. Yeah. The, the only thing any. that I wanted to touch on in the NBA was uh, the, the Emmys nominations were announced. Marcus Smart got nominated for greatest flop. Um, so congratulations <laughs> to him. No, uh, in the East, 
uh, there are just five teams above 500 right now, which is kind of crazy. We're, you know, a quarter of the way through the season. Um, I expect it to change. I hope it changes, but you know, it's, it's solid at the top. You got the Sixers, Bucks, Celtics, Nets, and Pacers. That's it for teams above 500 teams with a winning record. Um, and that's just crazy because over in the West, you have 11 teams sitting at 500 or better. Um, so, you know, probably what we expected, we probably expected, you know, maybe a, a under 500 team to sneak in in the East. Like, I think that happened last year. There might have been two teams, actually. Um, but, yeah, kind of crazy. Are Would you guys yeah. say that because only five teams and they're not one of them being over 500 in the East, the Heat are the biggest surprise of the year so far? Mm-hmm. For sure. Okay. The fact that they are they're 13th. They are 8 and 14. Um, yeah. The, by far the biggest surprise um, for me. I, I, I wouldn't put them there quite yet. I think it's still too early for me because they've had a lot of COVID issues and injury issues mm-hmm. so far this season. So I think given that eight and 14 is pretty fair, but yeah, I mean, if they're, if they miss the postseason, then yeah, obviously that'd be the biggest surprise, but I still expect them to make it. I think once they get healthy again here, they'll, uh, they'll start winning games like they, like we expect them to. Um, for me, the biggest surprise is probably a tie still between the Jazz and the Suns. Um, the Jazz are just much better than I thought they'd be. And the Suns, I thought that they might make the postseason, but um, they are just, they've looked, I know they've kind of cooled off, but they've still looked like a complete team when I've, the couple games I've watched them play. So the Suns, um, they could, uh, they might be play. legit. They might, they might be legitimate in, in terms of they might be able to win a round in the postseason. But that's as far as they'd get. Okay. Anything in the MLB? Spencer? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. We saved the best for last. Um, not a ton, but a good bit. Um, so we'll start with cleaning up last week's news uh we talked about the nolan arenado trade um that officially went through uh so the package that the rockies received was austin gomber uh mateo gill Alaris montero tony lochi and jake somers um as a cardinals fan i can tell you that uh gomber has pitched at the major league level he's a lefty he's fine um Montero is out of the rest of these guys the only one that I really had a strong belief in playing at the major league level and contributing at an at least league average level um the rest of the guys are just huge question marks in my opinion and even Montero is uh at this point it's still early in his career um and then the 50 million also uh went to the Cardinals like we talked about which Part of that was adding on an extra year at the end of uh, Arenado's current contract. That is a $15 million value. Um, So ultimately, still just a huge overall win, I'd say, for the Cardinals. Now, I will say 
just a fun little story time, uh, a Cardinals fan of all people decided to get into an argument with me about this after I posted, have you guys seen the Taika Watiti, you know, meme where it's him and um, Helena from Thor Ragnarok and he's showing her something on a tablet. You guys seen that meme? No. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, well, I think so. I, I, it's supposed to be like, uh, oh, like, I, I don't even know how to explain it. But anyway, the tweet was me explaining to my girlfriend how the like Cardinals pulled off a heist, essentially. And like, she looks very disinterested and, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it, this guy was just so hellbent on making it seem like this trade was not good for the Cardinals. And I just could not wrap my brain around that. Like you're getting one of the best third base. And he's just bringing up all these things. Like what if he gets hurt? And it's like, yeah, but like, you don't want that. So I don't know why you're bringing that up, but uh, that was insane. I ended up getting blocked by him. It's fine. He said, he made a comment. He was like, I'd rather have uh, a bird in the hand. And I said, yeah, or a bird on the bat. And then I think that's probably what pushed him over the edge. That's a pun because the Cardinals jersey, <laughs> the birds are on the bat. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, the Cardinals literally got paid $50 million to take the best third baseman in the game for pennies. Yeah, like, I don't the, understand. The argument was. You know what, though? That's just the Cardinals have baseball's best fans, and that's just on display right there. So I'm sorry to go through that. The, the argument basically was these guys are at such a low level that you can't really like doom them, but it's like one, they're going to the Rockies. So yes, we can. And two, um, (laughs) that's, that's the point. Like they're so far away that that makes them like the biggest question mark. So you're right. Like they could end up being amazing, but I just don't think five years from now, we're going to see the Rockies winning a world series behind Cy Young winner, Austin Gomber and MVP candidate, Alurus Montero. Like I just don't picture that. So, uh, yeah. Any, any final thoughts on this trade now that it's official? Or I think. Yeah. I mean, I, I hate it (laughs) just as much as I did day one. I mean, and I'll continue to hate it. Like I, I don't know. I don't have anything else to say. I just, I, it's the 50 million for me. Like, if you want to trade your all NBA or, <laughs> yeah, all NBA, your all MLB third baseman, uh, for a bunch of like mid level prospects, more power to you. Like, great. Good, good job. You're, you're pissing everybody off. But then to also pay $50 million to the team to basically take him like oh and here's 50 million thanks for doing this for us that uh, that for me i think is the final straw like that's where i get mm-hmm. pissed 50 million by the way is double the pirates current mm-hmm. payroll that they're just paying the cardinals to take their best player i just i literally i like i said i think the i think the rockies gm i forget his name now he must have his own farm up there and he's just high, and he's just been like, oh, let me call some GMs on the phone and see uh, what I could do. <laughs> That'll be fun. And, uh, yeah, he's just high out of his mind, and he's just ruining ruining the franchise. And as the owner of the Rockies, 
I'm a little confused as to how you would be so chill with this, unless it was his idea. Maybe he wanted Arenado's contract off the books because we know, you know, baseball, some owners are like that. So uh, I won't name names, but um, I just, I can't, I, ah, dude, I just hate it. And I'll end my rant here in case Victor wants to add anything, no. but <laughs> holy good. shit, man. Yeah, so the fifty million uh, is basically to get back prospects. Um, if if money wasn't included, the Cardinals probably would have sent less. Um, but because the money's included, you have to think about it from the Rockies, from the Rockies' How? viewpoint of uh, <laughs> that money. What's that money going to go towards over the next two years? Like I would send that money and get back people that you can develop at the very least. Now the players that they got back certainly weren't of the caliber for 50 million. Um, but that's, I think, I think the thought process. Um, Spencer, you're telling me right now that Nolan Arenado alone wasn't worth those crappy prospects that they got back. <laughs> so they had to add 50 million to get crappy, pro- to get prospects that probably combined won't ever equal the value of 50 million, let alone more than that because Nolan Arenado had so much value as well. Is that what you're saying? Because okay. that is absurd. Listen. Okay. Let's say, let's say the 50 million went the other way. Who wins the trade? Still okay. the Cardinals. But, like, at least the Rockies then get some money that they can stash and help them out. You know? So, in like, other words, but, this deal is $100 like, million dollars in favor of the Cardinals. Not even close. Oh, well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know Arenado's contract, but yeah, I mean, it's probably, yeah, around there, probably. Ultimately, yeah. <laughs> I mean, right? Because you get the 50 mil, and Arenado's value is probably, like, if you had to put a price tag on it, like if this was soccer, you had to put a price tag on his value, it's probably like 50 mil or more, mm. even. So, yeah. <laughs> I'd say. I don't know. The fact that Spencer's still laughing tells me, yeah, it's it's about a hundred well, million. Okay, here we're gonna get into. Spencer just doesn't want to admit how good oh, this no, is no, for the no, Cardinals no, no, for some no, reason. No, no, no. I, I don't know. I absolutely, I am not saying that. All I'm saying is that is what I believe is the thought process when you send money. And you know what? Hang on a second. I will get into it because the Cardinals had another trade this week. They traded Dexter Fowler to the angels and they along with that i mean fowler's in the last year of his deal i believe it's worth like 14 million for this year the cardinals send 12.75 million to the angels for this trade you know basically paying all of fowler's contract and just gifting him to the angels to allow him to play somewhere else for an entire season it kind of makes no sense i would assume that they are sending that much money because a prospect will be coming in return. I don't think you would pay almost an entire player's contract and not get something in return. So we're still waiting to hear back if, if something will be coming back there or if it'll be like international uh, pool money or, or something of that sort. Um, but that is why you do that because you are taking on a you know, in Ar- in Arenado's case, you're taking on a massive contract. I get that he's a good player, but you saw it with the Stanton trade too. You saw that the Yankees really didn't have to give that much up because of how massive 
that contract was that they were taking. And that's what was probably more important to the Rockies than the fact that they were losing their best player. I, I don't disagree that the Cardinals, in my opinion, absolutely got away with highway robbery. I do not disagree <laughs> with that whatsoever. I agree with the fifty million uh, that 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 those players could have been included, and the Cardinals wouldn't be getting the fifty million, and they would still be getting away with robbery. But that's what I believe is is the sentiment of the of the situation. I mean, look at the golf trade in in football. I mean, what about how it? Much they, sorry, look at how much you know draft capital the Rams had to give up uh, to get to get staff. Yeah, and I, think, the, and I think the Lions got highway robbery. Like, <laughs> and the Lions didn't also the, add like yeah. twenty million dollars. The Rams way no, 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 to no. take staff. <laughs> Or the, the uh, vice versa, I mean. Picks. Yeah, the Rams didn't add, like, here's 20 mil to take golf also. Gave, That's what it'd be what like. What they did, they gave up three draft picks. I think – no, no, no. Yeah, I think also different. in this uh, scenario, we are comparing Matt Stafford to – or, yeah, Matt Stafford to Arenado, and I don't think that's fair. Like, Arenado is far better at what he does than Stafford. And Spencer – I get what you're saying with the Fowler trade, but Dexter Fowler was pretty bad. So there's a difference there. Like I can understand paying a team to take him away because he was just not good. But like Arenado is. (laughs) So I don't know why you're paying a team to take Arenado off of your hands. That I like. Uh, anyways, what else happened in the MLB? Can it's we move on with the return? Is what I'm, I'm saying. Upset. Not saying that it makes it better. That's all I'm getting at. Okay. One other trade to touch on: the Rangers, Rangers, and the Athletics completed a trade, uh, kind of surprising, raised raised a few eyebrows. I'd say the Rangers sent uh, Elvis Andrews and Aramis Garcia uh, to the A's for Chris Davis. Uh, Jonah Heim and Dane Acker. Um, so basically the headline here is uh, Chris Davis for Elvis Andrews. Um, two veterans swapping here. Andrews has been a long time uh, Ranger. Rangers are also sending 13.5 million. Andrews has uh, another year on his contract after this year, whereas Davis is a free agent at the end of this year. So I'm sure that is some of it. Uh, Andrews also has a, a an option for 2023 that now that he's been traded is a player option. So he'll likely opt into it because he's been on the decline. Um, and that's 15 million that he'd leave on the table. So my assumption would be that he's going to accept that. So a lot of money for Andrews, but the A's fill their need at shortstop. Uh, now that Semyon left and uh, they, they do well because they aren't going to be looking at all that money. They, they get some money in return. So uh, Davis was definitely on the decline. I like this for the Rangers still though, because I think Davis will probably perform fairly well offensively in Texas, but we'll see. Yeah, this is uh, a trade between two teams that I always forget exist. 
especially the Rangers, because at least the A's, like, I think of Moneyball. I was just going to say that. Like, I'll remember the A's. But the Texas Rangers, I literally just always forget exist. Like, I, oh, my God. That's that's all I have to say about well, this Well, the A's benefit from it because they also then were able to use some of the money that they freed up. Obviously, they, they, they're stingy. They don't love to spend money, so they re-sign Mike Fierce, uh, who is notable for breaking the Astros' cheating scandal. So, there you have it. Nice. Uh, but anything else on that trade? Victor, you got anything for it? No, I don't. Other than uh, good on these teams for getting some publicity and uh, <laughs> maybe more people will remember they exist outside of Moneyball. Perhaps. Perhaps. Rangers were good there for a while. They had a really good stretch in the early 2010s. I, I do remember that. Nelson Cruz, Josh Nelson Hamilton. Cruz, but, like, it, they're still easy to forget. Like, is it just me? <laughs> do, do you guys remember they exist? I mean, yes. Spencer, you probably do, but okay. Uh, if you if you bring up the athletics, the first thing I think of is Moneyball. So, Brett, you're not. A... No, what about the Rangers? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, they're, they're there. <laughs> okay, so before we get into the rest of the signings, uh, one quick note: Dustin Pedroia announced his retirement finally. Thank God. Um, it was kind of getting sad trying to watch him continue to play. Uh, he retires a, a lifelong Red Sox. Uh, so good for him. He had a great career. He was always one of my favorite players um, that like wasn't a Cardinal growing up. Um, one of the best second basemen throughout my lifetime. Um, but yeah, towards the end, it was just getting, getting sad seeing him try and come back and just inevitably get hurt um, again. Fond memories, yeah. though. That's what you got to remember. He's a very he short, very man. short yeah. as well. Yes, true second baseman. Yes. Um. All right, and then signings. Here we go. Rapid fire. Mets just this morning announced that they will be signing Albert Almora Jr. So they finally got their superstar center fielder. Um. That is sarcasm. Almora really not that great. Solid defensively. Kind of reminds me of Juan Lagares. If you guys remember remember him. Longtime oh, Mets yeah. center fielder who who was notable for his glove. Um, Almora had a solid 2018 with the Cubs, but kind of fell off the map after that. Didn't really live up to it, leading to him being non-tendered this year. Um, took longer for him to sign than I thought. Kind of expected him to go to like the Giants or the Rockies, like a big center field for him to roam, because I feel like that's where he'd do best, but the Mets, after missing out on Springer and Bauer, we'll get into that. They go with they go with Almora. Um, the Diamondbacks sign uh, Joaquin Soria, three point five million dollars. Still a solid inning eater out of the bullpen. I like that signing for the Diamondbacks, but nothing really else of note there. He's old, uh, thirty six, talented to the end of his career, but he still puts up solid numbers for an old guy out of the pen. Still serviceable. I'm just going to keep pausing in case anybody wants to jump in, but then I'm just going to jump right into the next one. Fantastic. All right. The Tigers uh, re-signed Jonathan Scope (laughs) uh, to a one-year $4.5 million deal. This was one of my favorite signings last year. Um, 
he he batted 278, had eight home runs. He's always been a rather powerful, we'll say, uh, second second baseman. Um, and yeah, in a shortened season, he he still put up really solid numbers for a bad Tigers team. Um, yeah, I, I loved the one year deal with them last year. They do it again. Love it again. Um, especially because I feel like teams that were needy at the second base position could have gone for him, spent a little more and didn't. Um, and we'll talk about another second baseman here in a second who signed Colton Wong signed with the Brewers uh, two year, 18 million. Um, and then he has a club option worth 8 million to tack on to that. So could be three, three years, 26 million. Um, Wong played with the Cardinals for eight seasons. Um, really putting it together towards the end. Finally, um, he's one of the better defensive second basemen in baseball. Uh, the Cardinals declined his 12 and a half million dollar club option uh, this year for him to go and sign for roughly nine mil a year <laughs> with a division rival. So that, that hurts a little bit. Um, but yeah, congrats to him for, for getting paid. Notable pirate mm-hmm. killer, Colton Wong. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the pirates, you're really nailing this, Brad. Thank you for all the segues. Uh, the Rays signed former pirate pitcher, Chris Archer, probably more, uh, better known for being a former Rays pitcher. Um, so they bring him back on a six point five million dollar contract kind of expensive for the Rays. a little splashy move um but archer was good with them so i will see if they're able to tap back into him and and bring him back to form i would personally like to see that um i'm sure the pirates would not like to see that yeah so just fun fact now so that whole um so basically the rays now have Tyler Glass now, Austin Meadows, Shane Bowes, and uh, Chris Archer. And the Pirates have absolutely nothing uh, to show from that trade from the Furies back. So thank you, Neil Huntington. Well done. Yes, yes. Um, this is a bit of a notable move because the Rays are using Archer to displace the empty holes of Blake Snell and Charlie Morton. Um to, to, to know they've, they've filled both of those holes essentially with Michael Waka and Chris Archer. Uh, nowhere near as good as Blake Snell and Charlie Morton. So they're going the cheap route and uh, we'll see if it pays off. It's the Rays. Don't doubt them. It probably will. Uh, you brought up Nelson Cruz earlier. He re-signed with the Twins. This took way longer than I expected it to. One year, $13 million. Um Cruz is still one of the most consistent hitters in baseball. It is insane. He's 40 years old, and he can still hit 30. Honestly, I would expect 40 home runs from him in a regular season. I I could see it. Uh, He's insane. And um, he he goes back to the Twins and uh, can, can continue to just sit in that designated hitter role until he finally decides to hang him up. The Braves re-signed Marcelo <laughs> Zuna. Yeah. <laughs> what? 
That was the smoothest <laughs> transition yet. The pauses just crack me up, that's all. <laughs> I, I got nothing. I had nothing else to say. Uh, the Braves re-sign Marcelo Zuna to a four-year deal, uh, $65 million, so roughly $16 million a year. Uh, there is a fifth-year option for the Braves uh, to push it to $80 million. Um, Ozuna had a had a great great season with them last year. Um, he batted three thirty eight and had eighteen home runs. As a Cardinals fan, that killed me because he didn't do anywhere near that sort of production with the Cardinals um, after they traded for him. After he had a, an MVP like season with the Marlins, um, so he was on a one year deal with the Braves. His one year deal certainly paid off um, and and turned into a four-year deal. So good for him. Um, hopefully for him, he can keep this up, this kind of production. Uh, it's definitely, definitely the Marcelo Zuna I like to watch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Vic. Thank you. Gotcha. Um, and then last but not least, the biggest signing of the week. Trevor Bauer announces he will be signing with the Dodgers. This contract is a weird one, um, but the story leading up to it is even funnier. Trevor Bauer on his website had up for sale signed Mets hats and signed Dodgers hats. Um, that ended up causing his site to crash. Uh, he, he put those up after his agent tweeted down to two, uh, signaling that they were down to two teams. Uh, everybody expected it, that it was the Mets and the Dodgers. I was of the camp hoping for it to be a mystery team, like, I don't know, the Angels or something, because it would have been funnier if he would have um, gone to not one of those teams that he was selling hats for. Uh, the contract, yeah, like I said, is interesting. So the the AAV of it is, you know, 34 mil a year. It's it's 102 million for three years. So it's under Derek Cole's record of 36 million AAV. Um, but he will be making uh, 40 million this year and then 45 million next year. So 85 of that 102 is in the first two seasons alone. Um, and I believe he has an opt-out after each one of those seasons. Uh, Bauer is probably notably remembered as saying that he would only sign one-year deals for the rest of his career. So he, he pulled back on that a little bit. Um, I certainly wouldn't ex- I certainly wouldn't be surprised if he opts out after that $45 million. I wouldn't really be surprised if he opts out of this first year. Um, but yeah, obviously depending on how he performs that'll that'll play into it but he's he's pitching at the height of his career um he he hit the market at like the perfect time as well for him to capitalize on his his value and uh yeah i certainly won't be surprised if he tries to continue to do that uh given like age and ability and all those things uh before maybe signing a longer term deal that rotation is going to be nuts um, the fact that he was going to basically, no matter what, when it was getting down to it, uh, he was going to be joining a top five rotation pretty much no matter where he went. Um, so he joins Walker Bueller, 
Clayton Kershaw, Julio Urias, and David Price. Uh, that's if they decide to move Urias back to the rotation. Um, and then they also have Dustin May sitting in the wings. So it's going to be a very, very good rotation. Yep. Another World Series title, probably. Or an, an appearance and a loss. Uh, Yeah, I mean... I don't know. I don't know if one pitcher or if that rotation alone is going to win a World Series. It's a, it's a well, very Well, they have a great rotation. lineup, too. Um, I yeah. believe they are the favorites for both the NL and the World Series. They are, yes. They are. And it's, it's like they are heavily favored, which I just don't know if I quite agree with, but um, especially because it this signing is what really boosted them, whereas I think if anything, like, I feel like the Mookie Betts trade um, from last year should have had, like, more impact. But that's just me. You know, what do I know? I'm just the low low baseball man on this podcast. Uh, you're, well, you're they the won the World baseball Series, man right? on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> they did win the World Series. That's what I'm saying. I feel <laughs> like the Mookie Betts trade had more of an impact than this Trevor Bauer signing. Oh, well, I mean, he's, uh, yeah, yeah, but I mean, he's still there, and now you got Trevor Bauer, and I don't know. They only got better. Yes. Right? So. The rich get that richer, is, that's what they say. What they say. Um, the only other thing I'll say is, this is now back-to-back, no, no, sorry, Bryce Harper signed a couple of years ago at this point, but this mimics what the Dodgers tried to do with Bryce Harper. It's kind of a new line of thinking that, uh, big money teams are doing it's it's kind of gross in my opinion it reminds me of brett when you talk about the premier league and like the like og teams try to uh, push out like these other teams and and they try to do stuff like that um because you know with deals like this it's gonna make it absolutely impossible for small market teams to sign star players when uh Again, just these big market teams can heavily, heavily front load a contract and then give you opt outs and know that it's really not going to have any economical mm-hmm. impact on them. Yeah, they found a loophole the for sure. Yeah, so yeah, this this is actually I would say bad for the game. Um, you know, on top of that, um, there are I believe I saw twelve players will be earning more money than the Pirates entire payroll this season um that had people calling for a payroll floor to be enacted where you have to be above a certain number Uh, that i'm not really a fan of because of how rookie contracts work if you have a very young team then good for you you should have a low payroll um but i I think we're getting into a range where a salary cap is going to have to be enacted like a hard cap um not this whole luxury tax bullshit that the Dodgers have and the Yankees have no issue paying year in and year out. So um, we'll see, but I, I think that is an inevitable move um, uh, coming up. Here yeah. Today. I, I don't think a salary cap would work in baseball personally. Um, at least if you want to make one, it would have to be like start like 10 years from now. Right. Cause you can't, just say you're going to add a cap 
with all these current contracts. Um, and as for mm-hmm. a floor, that's difficult too because like there's a reason some of these small market teams have such low payroll. It's because they don't have a ton of revenue. So mm-hmm. if you're going to put a floor, that could be really detrimental to this, their operations in general. Um, you know, the Pirates don't... I'll use the Pirates as an example since you, you brought them up. They don't get a lot of fans. They don't generate a lot of revenue. They don't have a national brand, really. Um, mm-hmm. So there's not a lot of money there. Um, yes, Pirates fans love saying Bob Nutting's cheap and he doesn't spend money and he could afford it or whatever. But Bob Nutting's cheap for a reason. You know, it doesn't make financial sense for him to shell out mm-hmm. all this money and then possibly bankrupt the team. Um, so a floor would be a dangerous game, I think. If you, if you want to make a floor, it would have to be something... Yeah not much higher than the Pirates payroll is now. Again, just using the Pirates as an example, maybe like a 30 mil floor. Like it, people wouldn't be happy with it because it would still be a really, really low number probably. But yeah, and like you said, with rookie contracts, that's another thing yeah, you have to consider too. So yeah, I, I, the floor would have to be really low still, I think. Yeah, I'm definitely not a fan of the idea of implementing a floor because then you're just going to have these these contracts handed out to like a player for for no reason other than to hit a certain point mm-hmm. and that's just going to also upset fans and just lead to just headaches left and right so yeah i'm not i'm not a fan of that but you're absolutely right with the uh, number of contracts that have been handed out the, uh, some sort of salary cap would have to be implemented implemented down the road um and basically it would have to be it would have to be put in place uh where every team currently is under that so we'd still see inflated contracts for a little bit, but we would hopefully hit a point that would stop from them just reaching these just God, uh, you know, heights of yeah. which I never yeah. really expected. And if you if you want to talk a cap too, you'd have to then consider revenue sharing, maybe, uh, which I'm sure would not go over well, mm-hmm. and rightfully so. So, yeah, it'd be a mess. I think it's one of those things. I mean, we've seen baseball has been so slow to change in the past with certain rule changes. Even implementing replay took way longer than it should have. So I don't expect that this to happen anytime soon. But it probably is a good idea, but it's going to come with a lot of backlash. That's for sure. Yeah, and it it might be too hard to, to implement at this point they may have kicked it around too long and and not just pulled the trigger on it and ultimately we'll continue to see somebody will be somebody will sign the first 500 million dollar contract and then it'll just be the first billion dollar contract after that and and so on and so crazy stuff all to hit a ball with a stick (laughs) i mean it's just absolutely ridiculous But yeah, that does it for baseball. Okay. Uh, well, then I believe, unless anybody has a fun fact of the week. I do. Boom. Okay, go ahead. Spencer, right back into it. The Athletic tweeted uh, just this morning as well. Uh, it's a simple question, but a difficult answer. No. Is Tom Brady the greatest athlete of all time? And the picture, no. the picture is, yeah, I agree. The picture is him. And uh, with <laughs> Michael Jordan 
Serena Williams. Serena Williams. Um, <laughs> um, Tiger Woods. Simone Biles. Michael and Michael Phelps. Phelps. Like, what? Are you kidding me? Those are a bunch of weird ways no, to uh, pronounce okay. Wayne Gretzky, but here's I, I okay. Like... But yeah, well, no, then, then, sorry. Go ahead. Okay. Well. <laughs> So th- that's who's in the picture with him. And then they did list uh, Usain Bolt, Wayne Gretzky, uh, Jackie Joyner-Kersey, uh, and Willie Mays, which Willie Mays, so it's a weird way to spell uh, Mike Trout, but yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, the, what a, it, I feel like it, it's a simple question and a simple answer. Tom Brady isn't <laughs> the greatest athlete of all time. Um, but uh, if you guys have anything to say. Well, about it, okay, just just the word <laughs> athlete, I don't think of Tom Brady. Like, if you're saying, is he the greatest football player right. of all time? Maybe. Right? That you can make an argument for. But mm-hmm. athletes? Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's Jordan for me. He was the most athletic person I've ever seen. Or maybe even LeBron is might be more athletic than Jordan was. But if we're talking like athlete, like athletic – I think of Jordan or LeBron. Yeah, and, and I think about, you know. Sure. Like, yeah, Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson. Yeah. If we're talking straight athlete. And like, yeah, if you're talking strictly athlete, but then I also think about like what somebody has done for a sport. And so, like, the fact that they have Serena Williams in here and they're like, is Tom Brady more important to the sports world than Serena Williams? Like, come on. Um, same thing with Tiger. Like, really? Like, like the, t- Tiger Woods and Serena Williams were a reason for people to watch golf and for people to watch tennis. Um, you could say the same thing about, like, Federer, Nadal uh, in terms of tennis. It, it's just, it's silly. It's such a silly thing to, to say, Tom Brady, you know? How about this guy? What do you think? Greatest athlete of all time? You know, very fast, very yeah. athletic, very strong man. Um, he's won six Super Bowls, sure. Um, but I don't know. He's always had he's always had a good team built around him. He's been the he's been the final piece a lot of times, like this year, I would say. But come on, greatest athlete. Victor, go let's, ahead. Uh, let's pull a picture of this man from when he entered the draft out of Michigan <laughs> and try and say this conversation. Can't even have it. No. Um, I don't know how someone can be considered the greatest athlete if you cannot definitively, without even a debate, put them in top two in their own sport, let alone try and compare them to other athletes. Uh, and I'm not saying Brady isn't top two in all time as a football player, but like, yeah, then you bring in other sports and players who were so dominant in one sport while still being able to be dominant in another sport. Uh, it's just crazy. to me. Yeah. Um, you're absolutely right. Like, I feel like with Brady, you can find other players that are like, you know, pretty close, you know, again, championships and stuff put aside. Um, He's what- one of the most successful. Yeah athletes sure but like i said like and you brought it up the the level of dominance of these other players that they listed i mean 
like, yeah, with, with Jordan, you know, the debate is LeBron. But after that, I mean, you, nobody gets compared to Jordan. Nobody. And also, did they not even mention, like, Pele or Ronaldo or Messi? Because... They didn't list. They didn't list any. Fo- they didn't list any. Yeah, football, <laughs> football players. They didn't list any of them. Messi, Ronaldo, nothing, nothing. Like, are you kidding me? Like, holy shit! Like, sports exist outside of the outside of the United States, and in fact, that you missed the yeah. biggest sport in the world. You didn't even touch on it. And, and and I brought up Federer and Nadal. I think Williams more important to tennis, but you know right. to not even give those guys a mention just absolutely pissed me off wow Oof. that's just that's so that was you see and i'm glad that we at top chatter never put out <laughs> bullshit like that on our social media oh what a stupid what a stupid question i think i i, I think we should make a um we should make something like this, but it should be, uh, is so-and-so <laughs> the worst athlete of all time? And then just like, like have it be something like super obvious that they aren't and like put people who have notoriously been worse at their sports. So like, I don't know, like, but that's what we should do. You know, really, I agree. really get the, the hot takes going. Also, John Cena wasn't listed. I mean, like, come on, what is this list? <laughs> You want to talk about dominance? Yeah, well, John it's Cena. You can't see him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever actually seen him? Yeah. He comes out. Yeah. He, he he salutes. He goes. Doo, 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 doo. Then he disappears. Yeah. And then he disappears. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, that's actually a really good point too. I didn't. You know, shame on me. I didn't even consider wrestling, and and they didn't. You know, say. Anything about like Floyd Mayweather? Uh, they Muhammad did. I think, they did. I'm... They did say Ali in the in the top comment. Um, I don't know. I may have skipped that because they were listing the people from the picture, and then they listed other people. But Ali might have been in between, and I, I may have just missed that. But they did list Ali. So okay. But yeah, it, it, <laughs> just oh my god, Tom Brady has enough. All right, like he's about to win his seventh Super Bowl the day that we are recording this. Like, don't don't let him take from these. Also, other it's athletes. just it's so hard know. to compare sports like that. Like, it's so stupid. You got to go sport by sport. Mm-hmm. You can't just say. It's also tough comparing a player from a yeah. team sport to an individual sport too. Like, let us team sports to other team sports. Yeah, honestly, mm-hmm. the most the most. Uh, you know, arrogant comment that I saw on that was somebody trying to defend Brady uh, as the greatest and saying that like Tiger Woods never has a 250 pound man <laughs> running full speed at him. It's like, well, yeah, that's because Tiger Woods plays golf, uh, but he's very good at that. Oh so, my God, man. Like what? <sighs> yeah. People. Yeah. I mean, crazy. Uh... Serena Williams only has 23 grand slam title. Dude, that's what I mean. I honestly, like, for me, if you're talking greatest athlete, like, it would have to be Jordan, Williams, or Woods for me, I think. Like, you know, like you said, Brett, Jordan from, like, a straight, like, athleticism. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, or, like, LeBron, because it's tough with basketball. But, like, I mean, 
to think about what they did for like each individual sport and then the their level of dominance uh is just Dude, Brady, that's did, Brady hasn't done anything for football other than like <laughs> piss off like 90 percent of the fan base like right like that's all he has been good for um and and winning championships but like so he has the dominance but like what has he done for football nothing like Aaron Rodgers has changed like the the viewpoint of like a quarterback position more than Brady has in my opinion I feel like Brady when you talk about what he's done for the position has glorified in some people's eyes what a system QB is, he is a and how successful they can So, yeah, uh, we will look to make our worst <laughs> athletes, biggest bus list and Hell yeah, that out soon on Twitter, Instagram, and maybe even have a whole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Peyton Hill, Evan Turner. Peyton oh. Hillis, but yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Brian Lee. Oh, shut stop. Andrew Bynum. <laughs> stop. This is great. Wow, this is great. <laughs> this is good. Okay, Victor, end this, please. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> definitely keep an eye out for that. And as well as some other things 